So we are the only group of people in this country as African Americans who have been property for longer than we've been able to own property. Worky work home sleep. Hey, 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 and don't it make for the perfect trap song? I mean, like, if the cage bird sings, then the mouse must freestyle about stacking cheese, stacking bread just to get ahead. What I mean is, I'm in a rat race on a hamster wheel, meaning no matter how far I think I'm going, no matter if I'm trying my heart, it seems like I end up back just where I started, trying to make ends meet in a circle of poverty. And, and the pie graph says I'm middle class, but when I look at the radius, I only find myself in the middle of a midlife crisis, middle of a financial crisis, middle of my depression, middle of a damn panic attack. Can't even think like that. I gotta go back to worky work home sleep. Hey, 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 worky work home sleep. This is Invest Like an Artist Show 9, demystifying finances and investing for artists and creatives of all kinds. If you're looking to learn how to empower yourself financially without wading through complicated jargon, you're in the right place. Stay tuned and be sure to continue the conversation online using the hashtag InvestLikeAnArtist. And as you guys know, all of our episodes so far have been recorded with a group of artists in the room for this episode and for the previous and the next few, we were invited to do an Invest Like an Artist in South Carolina. So we did four back-to-back. It was a marathon of a day, but really great content. Charge what you're worth. Charge what you're worth. Charge what you're worth. And so here's the thing, and I want to speak to this because I know it's a huge problem, and it's not just you guys. Like I said, I've done it myself. You're not the evil capitalist black man or black woman because you want to charge what you're worth. Right? right? You're not the evil capitalist white woman or white man because you want to charge what you're worth. It's not about that. Your time is valuable. And here's the beauty of all that. Like Candace said earlier in the day, we both are choosing to be here today without getting paid. Like we're not, this isn't about money for us. We get to choose how we give back. This is important to us. So we can charge our wage and say, you know what, today that doesn't apply. You get to own that. All right? You get to do it. Yes, sir. I can't remember if you said something earlier or not, but is there a way, is there a formula, an algorithm to calculate how to charge what you're worth? Like, what is that? It's Ooh. a real generic kind of thing, right? But like, how do you charge? How do you know what? Yeah. How, how do you, you gauge what you're worth? Okay, so I'm gonna try to answer this in two minutes without going down a rabbit hole because, yeah. That's something that I charge people to do. <laughs> um, I'm trying to not to go down a rabbit hole with this. But so, just like the housing market, right? The market itself determines what people will pay for a said thing. So I can go and I can put in uh, whatever this street is right here, and I can look at houses and it'll tell me whether it's uh, realtor.com or whatever, it'll tell me what people are paying for these houses. So the first thing you start with, okay, and this is gonna be like mind blowing, all right? Get ready for it, get ready for it. The first thing you start with is just do a search for the service you provide yourself and see what everybody else is charging for it. 
See what, see what everybody's charging for. Just go, like, whatever it is that you want to do. So you want to do consulting. If, you're, if you want to do your time, like, find somebody in your field that's doing what you're doing. And say, how much are they charging people to do this? And Google is your friend because it'll tell you there are 20 people within 10 miles of you doing X, Y, Z, and here's the starting, here's how much these folks are calling, are, are charging. So you can look at that. And you can see that that's, typically that will tell you, you might see one outrageously high, one outrageously low, but most of the folks are gonna be right there together, give or take a few dollars, right? That's probably what the market is demanding, and you start there, and then you can say, here's what the market's demanding, right? Everybody in this genre, category, whatever, here's my experience level, here's my, uh, you know, my resume, here's what I've done, and now I can see, do I demand a premium? Do I demand a premium? Or, oh man, these folks on here are like, like these are my idols that are doing this, and they're charging this much, and I've been charging more than them. Do I need to kind of scale back a little bit? Do I need to, if you can go and get, you know, X, Y, Z, you know, you can go get Damon John to come talk to you, and I'm charging more than him, I'm like, uh. I might need to rethink some stuff, right? So start there. Let that be your starting point, right? And then put it in writing. Put it on your brand, on your website, on your Instagram, whatever, where people can see it in plain sight and not be surprised. But also put it out there to people. When they ask you, I promise you, more time than not, you're the one concerned about your wage and your fee that you're charging, not the people who are reaching out to you. Because sadly enough, uh, I mean surprisingly enough, when people reach out to you to do something for them, most of the time, they're not assuming that it's not going to that it's going to be free, unless you've done something free for them before in the past. You better free. <laughs> right? My grandma used to always say, "We teach people how to treat us." Right? So we want to start teaching people to treat us the right way. I am going to get this out of my way. So, I want to be talking about a little bit about retirement is what we want to talk about this um, this session. And a lot of you, as a problem, not even started thinking about retirement. Like JB, what do you mean retirement, dude? We just getting started. Stephen Covey, one of my favorite books is The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. And Stephen Covey says we need to begin with the end in mind. Want to begin with the end in mind. And I told you guys before lunch that we would talk a little bit about this retirement thing. How many of you guys right now, and you don't have to wave your hand or anything like that, that's not what this space is for. This is safe, this is safe space, there's no judgment here. But how many of you actually started thinking about and preparing for retirement? Again, you don't have to raise your hand, I just want you to be thinking about it. How many of you started actually putting back money for retirement? How many of you have even said, this is exactly what I want retirement to look like for me, this is where I want to be when I retire. This is the location I want to retire at. This is what I want life to look like for me. And I want to be able to have X amount of dollars every month after taxes for the rest of my life at this age. Right? That's how we plan for retirement. We start with by, for me, at 55 years old, at 55, um, I hated Greenville when I moved here because I love the water. 
um, and I moved here from Savannah, uh, Georgia, and I was literally on the water. Like, literally, you could smell the salt from my backyard, like, on the water. And I moved here, and I hated it because I wasn't on the water. But now it's kind of cool. It's kind of growing on me, right? And so for me, retirement looks like somewhere in South Carolina or coastal Georgia, right? That's what retirement looks like for me. Like, I really, really dig it. It's nice, slow pace, not too big, not too small, not too fast, not too slow. It's kind of cool. I want to retire at 55 years old, want to be debt-free, want to be 55 debt-free, and I want $7,500 a month after taxes coming in every month for the rest of my life if I live to be 95, and I want to have my money in a position where I can spend every single dime of it and don't have to worry about leaving none of it to anybody else. <laughs> no, 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 no. I, I, there's a reason for that. There's a reason for that, right? So my retirement money is for retirement. We plan, and most people, we end up, so my mom, I'm living it right now. My mom is nearing retirement age, and she's trying to decide how can she take her retirement money, retire, and leave a legacy to her grandkids? When her retirement money was never designed to leave a legacy to her grandkids. But because she got a late start, and because she was a single mom with four kids, those of you who were here before lunch, single mom, four kids, making less than $600 a month, do the math. It's an amazing feat that she's even in a position to even be able to think about retiring. Mom was a hustler and made some changes and made some things right and did some stuff, did some, did, did some amazing stuff. But she's really, really like, I want to do something for my grandbabies, all 11 of them. And we're like, dude, like, chick, like, just retire. Like, if you want to do something, you want to leave a legacy for your 11 grandkids as one of your actual kids, I say you take three months of the year, you got four children, you take three months of the year, and you come keep your grandkids. That's what you can do for your grandkids, right? which gives me a break from two out of the 11 that you got. <laughs> so we, 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 we legacy plan with something different. So we want to be thinking about retirement plan. Before I get it, I'm glad I just looked at this pen. So before I go any further, I have to explain this pen. So Candace wanted me to explain the pen. And anytime I talk to any group of people about anything, uh, I wear this pen. The other pen I just kind of wear. Uh, the other pen got a meaning too, but it's not significant. But anytime I'm anywhere in front of anybody, I have this pen on. And so this pen is, if you see it, and we'll pass, I'll pass it around a little bit so we can look at it. But it has 50 on it, has the big number 50, has a pyramid in it, and it has the inscribing of lift as you climb, empowerment plan. And so, and on the back, it has the dates, 1619 to 2019. Anybody know the significance of those dates? Yes, sir. Shim, enlighten us. 
for longer than we've been able to own property. In an established construct, right? Because we all know there were people of color here before, like, like we, we all that, but from an established nationality and an established construct, we're the only group of people who have, who were property for longer than we've been able to own property. Who were assets before we could have assets. We were the original assets on the balance sheets of America. Right? Like we were literally insured as property. These are not, these are literal statistical facts. We were insured as property. And so, uh, the company that I'm a part of is in the in the finance world is the most age neutral, gender neutral, race neutral company in the financial services industry, which is mostly a white male dominated industry, right? A little over ten years ago, we put a plan in place to say we wanted to change that. We wanted to put as much tax free transferable wealth in place in the black community as humanly possible. And our number we came up with was $50 billion. We said if we can put $50 billion of tax-free transferable wealth in place in the black community, we can begin to start making change. That's just the beginning of start making change. And we chose 50 billion is because the average wealth gap between African Americans and the majority of Americans is about $249,000 between the net worth of white families and black families, right, on average. All right, so you have some very, very wealthy black people, you have some very, very poor black people. You have some very, very wealthy white people, you have some very, very um, wealthy black people, I'm mean, white people. You have some very, very poor white people, you have very, very poor black people. But on average, the net worth of white America is about $249,000 more than the net worth of black America. And so, the easiest and the quickest way, and I don't wanna get too much into a uh, insurance conversation, but we said that if African Americans own $250,000 worth of insurance that can be left to the next generation tax-free, then it will help us speed up what is estimated to be 228 years for us just to get to where white people are today. It's estimated that it would take 228 years for black America to reach the wealth state of white America today. We believe we can accelerate that and speed that up, and we, see, we believe we can see it done in our lifetime. Um, and it doesn't take 228 years. But we have to, as African Americans, undo some of the negative constructs around finances and financial tools, um, one of which being life insurance, because in the black community, we have unhealthy relationships with it. And let me tell you this, your unhealthy relationships and your feelings are valid. My big mama had a policy that she paid for every single week. The little insurance guy came to the door, collected the premiums, did all this kind of stuff. It was a horribly designed policy. It wasn't worth the paper it was written on, and we still had to come out of our pocket and bury her when my grandma died. So the, the concerns in our community are valid. There was a time where we could not have more than $3,000 worth of life insurance as black people. There was a time where we couldn't have, the, the thing that's so funny to me, is that when we were enslaved pieces of property, we were able to be insured for more for our slave masters than we were when we became free and could actually have our own policies. That's a whole other story. Um, but, so our, our, our 
interpretations are, are valid. But we've shifted those things. Those things are shifting still. And now we have to understand that we got access to the party. There are no restrictions. Um, this came, the last restrictions were lifted, unfortunately, not very long ago, but we're talking about the early 70s when the last restrictions were lifted. We're talking about late 70s before we actually started measuring white and black people on the same mortality scales and not saying that we were inferiorly made. So we're talking about just shortly before some of us were born and some of us were already here before we saw those changes. So that empowerment plan is about that. Um, so it was a, a, over 10 years, we put over $50 billion using the wealth gap as our gauge. Doing, so we did over 200 families throughout the United States, making sure they had at least $250,000 of tax-free transferable life insurance in place. And um, we're in the midst of our own campaign for South Carolina and the upstate, where we want to see $100 billion over the next 10 years of free trans tax-free transferable wealth put in place into underserved communities. And so that's what the FIN is about. I actually, um, we're actually the only company in the country that has an African-American uh, community empowerment plan. Um, and so we, I have information about that, just about the plan itself. And um, just transparently, we're looking for ambassadors, people that would help us help channel our mission and say this is something that we're that we're committed to and that we put resources to and um, we're not going to stop doing regardless of who doesn't like it and a lot of people don't like it um, we're not going to stop so that's the pin in a nutshell that's the pin in a nutshell uh, I'm sorry Candace I made that as short as I could but I'm passionate about this and so it it, um, it takes me some time Okay, no more apologies. That being said, let's get into it. So retirement. So we talked about this house. So we started building our house, right? We started building our house. We got through our cash flow. Some folks saw some, saw some stuff cash flow wise. Really? What my computer doing on me? Okay. Did it go to sleep? Did it, does it not like me? Did it die? I think it went to sleep. Oh, there it go. Yeah, it went to sleep. Told me my fingerprint was wrong. It's like, it's my finger, I promise. Like, I don't know what to do for that. And so, retirement, anybody know what retirement means? Just the definition of retirement. Anybody? Not working anymore. That's a great one. That's a great <laughs> definition. Anybody else want to add on to the not working anymore? Because I could just say, hey, I quit. I ain't going back to work tomorrow and not be able to work. Boom. That's it. Perfect definition. The way I describe it. So what she said was retirement was not working anymore and still having money to spend. I love that definition. That's my new definition from now on. But one of the ways that I communicate it is imagine being able to take a 40-year vacation without ever having to worry about money. 40-year vacation without ever having to worry about money. And when I tell people that, I say, hey, how many of you guys want to take a 40-year vacation without ever having to worry about money? Everybody says, oh, that's retirement. we got a plan for it, right? Now, when my grandfather, who worked for the same company for over 50 years, literally, 
was uh, preparing to retire. Retirement looked real different. So I'm going to show you guys what retirement used to look like. And I'll try to draw this out. I am not an artist. Um, so I'm going to try to draw this out as best as possible. Right? But so my grandfather literally, and if you guys ever met him, oh, God, he was the funniest guy I ever met in my life. But he started working. And he tells everybody, I had my first full-time job when I was 10 years old, which was a very true story. True. He went third grade, um, he's a sharecropper, then he was a pope water. So he's a sharecropper because he could drive enough to, to he could actually drive to become a pope water. Um, he cut grass for the city that we, the, the, the city, the town <laughs> that we lived in. So he's a guy driving on the side of the road, cutting other grass and doing other stuff. So he started working full time when he was 10 years old, right? Then he actually finally retired. So he went from Pope Wooden to actually, uh, he Pope Wooden his whole life, but he also drove school bus, was the maintenance man at the school. He did all that. <laughs> Cut the grass at the school. He was the maintenance man at the school. He drove the school bus. All that, right? So he worked for the school system until he was 64. Started working for the school system, he says, when he was 16, because his first job for the school system was actually driving the school bus. At 16, he drove the school bus. True story. 16. And then I didn't know, my mom said, yeah, when we was in school, they, everybody got their CDL license, and you drove, the students drove the school bus, you had a few adults who drove. I didn't know that was such a thing. But, so, he started working for the school district at 16, right? He retired from the school at 64. He died at 68. Now, what did the school district give my grandfather when he left, when he, when he retired at 64? Anybody want to guess? Come on, something. He got a watch and a pension. He got a watch and a pension. So 100%, 100% of the money that came into my grandfather's household from 64 to 68 was in the form of his pension. And it was more, it was enough for him to live and take care of my grandma and do all the stuff he needed to do, right? The way retirement looks like for most of the people in this room is number one, and I know you guys can't see these, but we'll, we'll talk through, we're gonna talk through, I'm gonna talk out loud. Number one, we're not really getting started On average, most people don't get fully settled into their career until they're 30 years old. So we're 30 years old before we're actually settled, sitting down, consistent, making money, and kind of sort of know, we want, know which right direction we want to go in life. And I say kind of sort of because statistically we'll shift that every two to three years. Okay. But what else do we, what else is different about me than my grandfather? Cost of living, that's one thing, and we're gonna get to that. You're ahead of me, you're ahead of me. All right? Huh? We're gonna live longer. 
So grandpa died at 68. The average um, life expectancy right now, according to the national insurance um, uh, mortality tables, right now we, we're out to 82 years old. We're out to 82 years old and, and, and trending up pretty fast. The number one concern in the financial planning world today is not retirement. People did a good job saving, the baby boomers have done a great job saving money. The number one issue in the financial world today is long-term care. The baby boomers saved a lot of money, but the baby boomers having to spend money to take care of themselves. And the Gen Xers, or what we call the sandwich generation, they're taking care of the baby boomers and their kids. And they're just sandwiched right there in the middle. Right, so we're living longer. So let's just say we got 82 out there. So grandpa went to 68. He started at 16, retired at 64, died at 68. We're not starting to 30, we're gonna live to 82, but what does everybody else in here wanna do that grandpa didn't do? Wanna travel, what else? I look for one thing. I, I gave you a hint earlier, if you paid attention to what I said. What, what's my retirement goal? When do I wanna retire? 55. Right, we don't wanna work as long as they did. So we got started later, we wanna quit sooner, and we're gonna live longer. Does anybody see where I'm going with this? So, I'm sorry, Grandpa, you went to 64, but I'm checking out at 55, right? And what did my grandpa have that I don't have? Well, I have it, but most people don't have. Come on, y'all are geniuses in this room. No? Boom, he had a pension. So this whole 55 to 82, what I'm gonna get out of it is, so when I, when I think about the retirement, actually, actual retirement numbers, Social Security gonna, gonna account for a little bit of that. Now, don't know how you feel about Social Security and all that kind of stuff. Two things about Social Security that I can, I can, I can, I can say with relative confidence. Number one, don't think it's gonna go be totally eliminated, at least not right now, because the people who depend on it are the people who actually get out and vote. How many of y'all voted today or anticipate going to vote today? Great. So the people who care about Social Security, they voted early, or either they gonna vote later on with, uh, on the Republican side or whatever the case might be, but they're going to vote. They're not missing a trip to the poll. So Social Security ain't going nowhere no time soon, because those, those are the folks who vote, right? So it's not going anywhere. It will look very different for me than it did, than it does for my mother, right? It will look very different for me than it does for my mother. So it will shift, but Social Security gonna count for a little bit of that, if you're paying into it. So as business owners, those of you that are full-time and don't have an, another nine-to-five or anything like that, how many of y'all are electing to pay into Social Security? Again, don't raise your hand, just a question. Because the way Social Security works is, uh, everybody remember Friday? Right? Smokey on the porch? Hey, let me hear a little bit of that. Right? You ain't put in on this, man. Smokey's like, no, bro. Right? If you don't pay into it, you can't pull out of it. I'm dealing with an entire school system in the state of Georgia right now. Um, hopefully July 1st, we'll be doing the 403B, their group life insurance, disability, all that kind of stuff. So it'd be great. We'll be doing all their retirement, all their everything for the entire school district. Guess what their biggest problem is? 
They are literally creating jobs for their staffers who've been there a while because years ago the school decided we're not going to pay into Social Security. Georgia, you get that option as a school district. You get that option to pay into Social Security or to not pay into Social Security. And the goal, and, 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 and I, I love Georgia, so let me defend my state. Let me defend my state. The goal was if you are concerned that Social Security might not be there when you get ready to retire, we want you to have the freedom and the flexibility to reallocate the money you would put into Social Security into somewhere else. But they didn't have people who cared about them, and it's a rural, mostly black area. They didn't have people who cared about them to say, hey guys, you know what? If you do not contribute to Social Security, it cannot be considered a part of your retirement plan. So these people retired, was at home for two months and realized, I can't live like this. And they all went back to the school district, and it's a little rural town in Georgia. Everybody know everybody. The superintendent and the principal got to see each other at church on um, the next <laughs> Sunday. And little Miss Johnny, who you got can't pay her bills, gonna be in your Sunday school class. And so they like, man, we gotta we gotta figure out something, D. We gotta hire we gotta hire Miss Johnny for something. Can't we let her be a janitor? Let her do something. So they're hiring all these people part time, and they're literally not doing anything. They're just coming to the schools because they just don't want to see them not be able to take care of themselves. So Social Security is what we, whatever we put in is what we get out. You don't put nothing in, you can't take nothing out. So, and as a entrepreneur and being self-employed, you have to make the election, you have to make the country decision to contribute to Social Security. You gotta do that. If you're not doing it, you don't get this. So, Social Security is gonna help a little bit. But Grandpa had a pension, right? <coughs> Most companies are getting rid of their pensions. If mo well, let me rephrase that. Most companies have gotten rid of their pensions. And the companies who haven't are getting rid of theirs. There are only a handful of companies that are still sticking to the pension model. So now what a pension is, is the company you work for, what's your name again? CJ. CJ. So CJ, your employer is actually putting money away for your retirement. They say, man, we love CJ. And as an attempt to keep you working for them, and our work, we call it golden handcuffs, right? And the reason it's called golden handcuffs is that they're actually pretty dope benefits. Like, they're cool. They're really cool benefits. That's the reason we call them golden, because it's really, really cool, and everybody likes gold, right? So we got these golden handcuffs. The reason they're called handcuffs is because they're very restrictive, and they're designed with the employer's best interest in mind. So the employer says, I really like CJ. She's a hard worker. She's great at what she does. And I don't want her to leave my company. So here's the deal, CJ. I will fund your retirement using a pension if you commit 30 years to me. So you work for me for 30 years. I guarantee you're going to have some money coming in for the rest of your life. You're never going to have to worry about a paycheck. You're never going to have to. Oh, and CJ's like, oh my God, that sounds so good. That's amazing. I mean, that's the biggest concern of retirement. I just don't know where my next paycheck's going to come from. That sounds like a sweet deal. Sign me up. And CJ gets into this trap. Well, into the trap. I didn't mean to say trap. <laughs> CJ gets into this <laughs> position. I did not mean to say, I really didn't mean to say trap. <laughs> CJ gets into this position with his wonderful employer. And CJ's going along. CJ's going along. And about five, six years in, CJ's like, man, 
like, I think we could really improve the way we serve our clients if we did it this, 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 and this. And so, give me your name again. So CJ calls Yvette, who's her direct line supervisor, and says, Yvette, I got a really amazing idea that I really think can enhance our uh, just customer service and what we do for our clients and da 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 da. Yvette said, girl, go ahead on. You're a little youngster. We don't listen to you. We, we got this. Hold on. And now CJ's feeling devalued, unimportant, and she got to work with Yvette for another 25 years. Right? And so now every day is a struggle for, for CJ. Every day she's more frustrated than she were the day before. She has all this passionate creativity bubbling up inside of her to create a, 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 a viable product for their clientele that will change their lives and she's being constantly suppressed. And CJ wants so bad, like, you know what, I should just start my own business. But CJ's like, hold on, they're paying for my health care. They're making sure that I'm okay if I get disabled. I got some life insurance over here. And they're gonna pay me, like, if I just do 30 years, like, I mean, I've already done five, I don't, like, like that's five years that I've wasted that I can't get back, and I, I just, I, so what does CJ do? She stays another five years. And with every year, she gets more and more frustrated, more and more depressed, more and more angry, more and more dissatisfied, until she's in that thing, and then she finally, and let's, let's say year nine and a half, right? Because we're talking about pensions, and this is very important in the pension world. Year nine and a half, CJ decides, you know what, enough is enough, I'm out. Right? And one day she saw her pension statement and it had all this money in it. Mm -hmm. The company was like, you know if you leave, all this stay with us. Right? Mm -hmm. You know if you leave, all this stay with us. In the pension world, there's some other stuff that we'll talk about in just a second. But all this stay with us. CJ walks away. I'll get back with you tomorrow. So CJ decides, and, and that's all they say, is all they stay with us. CJ decides, ah, I'll grin and bear it a little bit longer, so she don't quit. She doesn't start that business. She doesn't explore those creative ideas. And after 10 and a half years, she's like, I can't do this. And so they hold it up again and say, you know if you leave, all they stay with us. She's like, no, you told me that last time. I know, but I can't deal with this no more. And she finally does quit. Right? 10 years on a 30-year pension plan for most companies gets you 20% of what they promise you at retirement. But you still, so they send you a nice little letter, CJ, and they say, oh, you're going to get 20% of what we promised you when you turn age 59 and a half years old. So today, she still can't touch any of that money. She can't do anything with it. She can't use it. She can't leverage it. She can't reposition it. She can't do anything. And now she's left to go out and start over by herself. And because, as you guys know, being a startup entrepreneur, being a first-generation business owner, is not something for the faint of heart, it's not simple, it's not easy, it's by no means something that you can just scoff at. She uses all of her resources, she leverages all of her time, money, and resources, and collateral, and she uses that to build her business, not to prepare for her future. By year 10, she has a viable, sustainable business that is, is, is seemingly doing well, but now she's trying to build up reserve, and 20 years later, she's never gotten around to doing that thing, that whole retirement thing. And now, even though she loves what she does and she's built a viable brand and she's doing pretty good, she can't stop, she can't retire because there was no pension here. So we got to fund this. We have to fund this gap, all right? And there's a couple of ways we can do it, all right? There's a couple of ways we can do it. And I know we spend a lot of time on the backstory, but I really, really wanted you guys to understand 
the retirement need because it is a need and it should be as vital part of your strategy sessions with your business as everything else. Even if you feel like you can't afford to now, you need to be thinking about it, right? So that's how that picture looks. So here's how we can work we can fill this place. Hey, worky work home seat. 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 Hey, side note, why do the ends always have to meet? I mean, haven't we done this before? Don't we do this like every week? Haven't the ends met already? Why they leave each other? I mean, what they got amnesia? And why do I have to be the one to introduce them to each other? I'm in this joint like cash, this is debt. And debt, this is cash. Cash is the one who be bandaging my scars when debt be kicking my ass. Tell us your name. Hello, my name is Nicholas Nichols. And what's your medium? I am a photographer, freelance writer, and freelance literary editor. Okay, and what's your tip? Knowing the importance of having a website and also having a good website. Okay, go into that for us. A lot of people um, don't consider web presence um, as an important factor in their art making. Um, generally, you'll go to people's Twitter or Instagram and or Facebook. Um, but insofar as like working with brands or work with other individuals who may be working at a higher clip than you. Um, having a website is a great factor of one, showing all the information that you've, um, showing the information that you have to offer and also showing a history of good works. And a lot of people don't have that, which prevents them from getting or garnering certain opportunities. So knowing the importance of having a website and having an effective website. Okay. Now, uh, what's interesting is one in grad school, um, having a website was like this big thing. Like you must be arrogant if you already have a website and you're saying, no, get your website. Nope. Get your website. Same way. Have a resume. Same way. Have a LinkedIn. Same way. Have a website. Okay. There's a bunch of different places that you can go. Perfect. And where can we find you? You can find me at Nicholas and I see H O L A S. And I see H-O-L-S dot com, NicholasNichols.com, and at Maroonboy, M-A-R-U-N-E-B-O-Y, across all social medias. All right. Thank you so much. So here's what I want you guys to think about in terms of retirement. Because when I say retirement, it feels so, so, so far down the road that it doesn't feel like it has any personal significance today. And that's why I wanted to do the story so we can get some personal significance today. But real, the reality is we don't have to make it complicated. With retirement planning, all I want to challenge you to do, this is all we're doing. All right? So we're making money today. Regardless of how much you're making, I don't care. If you're making $5 a week, you're making money today. Right? So we're making money today. And this money that we're making today, we got to use it to live today. Right? What I want us to get in the habit of it's just shaving a little piece of it off, right? Just a little piece and putting it up. Now, here's the beauty of retirement planning because the moment you decide to shave a little bit of it off, there's three, well, really, there's three types of places that you can actually put money. There's only two places you can put money for retirement planning. 
Okay? And this is very important. If I'm paying for my retirement, I can put money in two places. I can put money in a tax-deferred place, meaning I can put money somewhere where whatever I put in, I don't have to pay taxes on today, right? Tax-deferred is like a 401k, an IRA, 403b for my people working in the public sector, nonprofits and stuff like that. 403b, uh, that's enough. Stuff like that. You got other stuff, 457, 409s, 401as, all this other stuff. But everybody's heard of at least one of these things, right? All right, so these are tax deferred. That means your business makes $50,000 this year, right? If you put $5,000 into your IRA, you don't pay taxes on the $5,000 you put into the IRA. You only pay taxes on the $45,000. And this is before all the other deductions and all that good stuff, all right? Or we can have tax-free distributions which is like a Roth IRA. Or customized cash value insurance. Those are the only two options on the tax-free side right now. Oh, you can. There's a new kid on the block. The Roth 401k. So some companies are going to the Roth 401k too. And what the Roth means is we pay taxes up front. So with the tax deferred, let me let me show you guys this because it's very important. Tax deferred, you're going to get a paycheck, right? You get a paycheck. Whatever you put into this tax deferred bucket, you do not pay taxes on today. That money is going to grow. You're not going to pay taxes as it grows. At some point in the future, you're going to take out a distribution, and then you'll pay taxes as you take the money out. The benefit to this is I get some good, some favorable tra tax treatment today, right? Meaning I don't have to pay taxes on none of this money that I put in here today. The downfall to this is I can't touch any of this money until I'm 59 and a half years old. And I do not know what the tax rate is going to be when I take it out. All right, that's an issue. I don't know what the tax rate is going to be. Historically, and those of you that are here, you'll get this in your email um, as well, in addition to the workbook that goes along with all this stuff. Historically, we are at historic low tax rates right now. The average tax rate since the inception of the tax code is about 59% is the average tax rate. Right, Ugh. Makes you feel some kind of way, right? And so, what a lot of people do, and what myself do in, 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 included, is I take advantage of this on the tax deferred side, and this is just me. This is not individual personal advice, but in my house, we take advantage of the tax deferred side up to the point where our employers match. Because an employer match is free money. If they're going to match it, you want to get the money off the table. Anybody put money up for grabs, I want to go get it, right? So up to that match. Everything else we do is tax on the tax-free side. Because I'm taking a gamble on two things. I'm gambling on myself and on the tax history. Looking at tax history, we're in one of the lower tax environments. But I'm also gambling on myself that I'm making the least amount of money I'm ever going to make in my life right now. Right? So if I'm making the least amount of money that I'm ever going to make in my life right now, 
I'd rather pay taxes now when I'm not really, really banking and I'm hanging out having a good time as opposed to paying taxes at some point in the future where I feel like I'll be making four or five million dollars a year, easy piece of cake in my sleep, like Selah, right? So the way I did, so, so that's, that's my mindset, but I want to take all the free money off the table. So I put money here to the extent that my company matched. On the tax-free side, you get paid, with the same analogy, you get paid, you go ahead and you pay taxes up front. And guys, I'm not an artist for real. I hope y'all can read this. Like my, I'm getting flicked and leaning to the side and all that kind of stuff, right? But you get paid, you pay taxes up front, right? We're gonna pay the income taxes, do all that kind of stuff. That money's gonna grow, I'm really trying here. As that money grows, I don't pay any more taxes. And then at some point, I'm gonna take the money out of the Roth or out of the cash value or whatever, and I still don't pay taxes then either. All right? The benefits over here is that I get a tax-free distribution, meaning that my money's gonna grow from now until I get ready to get access to it, and it's gonna be tax-free. The other benefit over here is that over here I had to wait till I'm 59 and a half. Over here, I can have access to those funds um, with a Roth, anything you put into a Roth IRA, you can actually pull out without penalty at any time, anything you put in, right? Now your growth, all that stuff, you still gotta wait to 59 and a half. But anything you put in, you can take out. Same thing with cash value life insurance. You, anything you put in, you can take out. And the growth, we can access tax-free as well, right? The downfall over here is that I really need uh, at least a 10-year window for me to be able to maximize some opportunities with, the, with that type of with that type of asset, right? I need like a 10-year window to make sure I get off to the right start. The other um, downfall is we just don't know, okay? We honestly just do not know. I'm taking a gamble that tax rates are gonna be less when I'm 55 than they are when I'm 36. I'm taking a gamble and hoping that and thinking that, at least the same or less. I'm hoping that taxes are the same as, or, 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 or um, the same or more, I mean. Whereas over here, I'm taking a risk and I'm hoping that taxes are either the same or higher or, or, or less. So that's how that works. So once I start putting this, this money over here, these are the two ways that we can do it, tax deferred or tax free. I'm making money today that I gotta use today to live, but I wanna carve a little bit off for tomorrow, right? Does everybody have the tax stuff? Have I got that? So, I gotta carve a little bit off for tomorrow. Candace, keep me going on time because I did not do my um, timer this time. Uh, so I gotta take a little bit off for tomorrow. And every single time I get my paycheck, I wanna take a little bit more. Right? A little bit more. A little bit more. A little bit more. A little bit more. So I wanna do this every single time I get paid. Just, people ask like, hey, what's the gonna go? Now, with two things, if you tell me the exact age that you want to retire and the exact amount of money you want to have after taxes, tax-free in today's dollars, I can tell you what these numbers should be, okay? So that's, that's one thing. So we can talk about this. But here's the beauty. Here's where the magic starts happening, right? The moment you do this and start putting this money into the market, 
and start putting this money away, you start benefiting from the beauties of compounding. So now your money starts making money that's also going towards your retirement. Y'all see that? Your money is now making money. And the money that made money for you is making money. Y'all get the picture? And the money that made money for your money, y'all get the picture? So all this stuff now starts working and you guys, most of you guys in the room have the beauty of the benefit of the most powerful, the most powerful tool of all when it comes to retirement planning. Can anybody tell me what that is? Who said, who said, what, what did you say? Time. Time. Compounding interest is literally the ninth wonder, eighth wonder of the world. <laughs> it, is, it is powerful. It is powerful. Okay? So your money starts working for you. And so the, the, the easiest way to explain compounding interest without, um, without going into too much detail is Let's, let's use 10% for an example. You finally save up $1,000, and I'm going to use super simple interest to just kind of paint a picture. $1,000 at 10%. 10% of 1,000 is 100, right? So if this is compounding interest, the next 10% you earn is not going to be on the $1,000. It's going to be on $1,100, right? 10% of 1,100 is what? 110. So your next interest payment is gonna be 110 instead of 100. And now the next interest is not gonna be on $1,100, but on $1,210. And we see how that works. And so even though I only put, let's say you put $1,000 aside and never did anything with it again, the, it's growing. And the growth that it's having is being added to it to create more growth. That's compounding interest. The beauty of compounding interest is that in these scenarios, it's working for you. The horror in compounding interest is that when you swipe the credit cards and when you do, it works against you. Okay. Yes, sir. Uh, so my question would be: So if you're paying into this each month, mm -hmm. but if you have a hard time. That's the beauty of it. So this is your retirement plan, right? Mm -hmm. So you're having a hard time. You pick up the phone. Like even if you're at your job, if you have a 401k at your job that you're contributing to, you can literally call HR and say, hey, I don't want to put no money in there this month. And you don't. That's it. No penalty, no nothing. You don't. Now, there's a pro the problem comes if I want to pull this money out right now. Now, the beauties of your 401k is that you do have, depending on how long you've been with the company and how much you have in it, you can actually borrow from it for certain reasons. Not for everything, but you can borrow from it for certain reasons. Um, with everything that you, everything, every asset that you use, you can't. You know, like an IRA, you can't technically borrow from a traditional IRA. You know, you can close it out, take the money out, you pay taxes, and you pay a 10% penalty if you're under 59 and a half years old. With your 401k, you have to be separated from that company to actually take it out. And again, 
You pay taxes on it, and you pay a 10% penalty if you're under 59 and a half years old. Yes, sir. So Roth 401ks are super tricky. Everything you put in is yours. So with a Roth 401k, if you separate from that company, you can just take it out. As long as you're with that company, there's still some restrictions as far as how it's treated. But if you leave that company, you can take that out with no penalty, no nothing. All of the growth that you're fully vested on, you will be penalized and you'll be taxed. If you're fully vested, you will, but you'll be taxed and penalized. Yeah, if you're fully vested. But then if you're not fully vested, and what vesting means is you've been with the company long enough to where the company says all this that's actually in this account is actually yours, right? And the company determines what that is. For some companies, it's three years. For some companies, it's five years. For some companies, it's 10 years. There's a few out there that are seven years as well, right? Yes, sir. Um, you said so working for yourself, it looks like a couple of things. So number one, anything that the company can do for you, you can do for yourself. So you can create your own 401k. It's called a solo 401k. Um, let's start. Let's start with the IRA. So typically, here's how we start. And you guys, all this is in here as well. You're going to get a chart with all the retirement types and the limits on how much you can put into each one of them. Okay, so you're going to get all of that. So, IRA, a traditional IRA, you can put $6,000 a year into that. That's the most you can put into it. But anybody, anywhere can do that. Anybody, anywhere, you have, as long as you have a company or employed by a company, as long as you're working, either for yourself or for someone else, you can put $6,000 a year into that. All right, then, yeah, six, just six, just six, that's, that's it. All right, so um, you also can do um, a SEP IRA, which is called a self-employment pension IRA. Um, and you can do a simple IRA, and with the simple, Uh, I want to say 12500 but let me double check real quick. Yep, and that's specifically for, specifically for business owners. Yep, it's still, it's still IRA and it's going to tax deferred. The Roth is the only one that's not, the Roth is the only one in tax-free. The only tax-free retirement options are the Roth and uh, supplemental life insurance, cashback life insurance. Yes, sir. Simple. simple. So you can accept uh, SEP. SEP and a simple. And let me pull this up real quick. Thought I had it up. And I want to say, well, I'll get that to you. I don't want to take too much time with that. I'll get that to you. But I want to say it's 12,500. That may have changed this year because they were talking about increasing it. It may be 13,000, but I'll get the exact numbers to y'all. But you can put more in a simple than you can in IRA. That's the whole point. So simple is for that business owner who's, you you know, you're not necessarily ready to do the solo 401k thing yet um, because solo 401ks may be a little bit more expensive. And with the solo 401ks, whatever you do for one, you do for all. So if you're thinking about growing your business and all this kind of stuff, 
the moment you think about hiring new, new folks and doing all this kind of stuff, it goes from a solo 401k to a company 401k, and whatever you offer yourself, you have to offer every employee. So yourself might decide, I want to maximize myself. I want to match what myself put into this thing. And if it's done in the form of 401k, you got to do it for everybody. All right. So we got the IRA, we got the simple. Um, we got SEP simple, SEP simple. Um, and we got solo 401k. Uh, with a 401k, you can put as an individual $19,500 a year into your 401k as an individual. And as an organization, as a company, you can match up to $53,000. I'll double check that number as well. It may be $55,000 now uh, for 2020. But you can put, up, you can put a lot more in on the 401k side. And everything you put back is a deduction from that income. Does that make sense? So you make $100,000 as a business, your business funnels between your personal contributions and the business contribution, you funnel 53,000, or let's say easy math, you funnel 50,000 into your 401k, your solo 401k, boom, you only pay taxes on 50,000. Your business made $100,000. Boom, you got $100,000. And you sit down, and between yourself putting up to $19,000 and the business matching up to $50,000, you put $50,000 away into this 401k, you only pay taxes on $50,000. But, and that's a beautiful thing. So now, the other thing that tax deferred stuff is really good for, and I'm done, Candace, after this. Well, uh, if I'm... So the uh, other thing that tax deferred is beautiful for is what's one of the things that we're all trying to do as entrepreneurs, right? We want to make as much money as possible and pay as little taxes as possible. But what normally happens is we end up putting ourselves in a pickle because when we go to that same, when we go to the bank and say, hey, I got this amazing business, what are we trying to do? We want to show that we made as much money as possible. And then when we show the bank our tax return, where we try to show we made as little as possible, so we can pay as little tax as possible, the bank says, you didn't make any money last year. But you're like, no, 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 no. Like, no, I did. I just, I, I just, and then you're like, well, I can't take too much because I didn't take tax on it. The tax deferred avenue allows us, not only do I only pay taxes on 50000 in the scenario we just used, uh, D-Dub, but when I walk into the bank, it looks like I made $100,000. That's the beauty of the tax. Now, that's a major benefit of tax deferred because it shows up still on my bottom line as revenue, as income. This is actual income that I made. I just chose to defer giving it to myself to a later time in the future. Right? So it gives us the best of both worlds. It helps us defer some of those taxes while also helping us look good enough on paper to get the money from the bank to go out to build our dreams and buy our buildings and create our art and all that kind of stuff. Another question? I do have a question. What's the name of the company you work for? I'm a, I have my own brokerage. So I have my own individual brokerage firm, and I'm also a partner with Blue Truck Flyers. Okay. 
So I partnered with New York Life uh, Boutique from downtown region. It was right over Floor Field. And I would love to see any time. Any time. So yeah, so I've been doing this now. I started out teaching economics and finance in 2006. And I've, like I said, I've been working now for myself since October 5th, 2002. I started teaching financial literacy while at Savannah State, the Savannah State University. The most wonderful HBCU in all the land. <laughs> um, and uh, so I started teaching financial literacy there uh, with my sister uh, back in 2003. Are we good on time? Or? Mm -hmm. Okay. Any more, any more questions? More questions. Okay. So how do we decide how much now here's my rule of thumb. Like I said, if you guys, we talk down as we talk down individually, I'm gonna give all of you guys your exact number that you need to you need to set aside. But here's the rule of thumb: if you can't afford to even, if you think you can't afford to even think about retirement, start just start doing. It. Just start doing. It. And the my rule of thumb for everybody is that you need to pay yourself first anyway. So before you pay anybody else, before you pay a bill, and this is something. This is something I'm not just saying to y'all. This is something I did as a teacher when I taught economics and finance, and I felt like I was upside down and losing my mind and couldn't do anything and couldn't pay my bills on time and couldn't do all this stuff. Like this is this is that's why I worked those three years full time to do because I just was like, this is not the life that was designed for me. I can't do that. So that's why I was a night auditor at the high those of you that was here before lunch. Like that's why I did all this stuff for three years straight. Because it was horrible. I slept in my car. I slept at Lake Mayor. I can tell you all the places in Savannah I slept because I lost my place. Lost my apartment. I lost cars. I was just like, enough is enough. Like, I can't, I can't do this. Can't do this no more. Right? And so, for me, I grew up, again, I told you I grew up middle of nowhere, Georgia, super, super religious, super strict. Like, hey, this is what you do, this is what you do. And so my mom always like, listen, I don't care if you got a dollar, you give God his, da 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 da. I'm like, okay, mom, cool, I'm gonna give God his. I said, I'd be darned if I'm giving anybody else any money after God before I give my money. Like, you know, I just, I don't know. Candace laugh at me all the time because I'm like, I think my interpretation of like scripture is like so weird and probably different than most people. But like, I love the Bible. I think it's like a dope book, really dope book. But I'm like, hey, if I can give God ten, and it says that I'm in it, so I feel like I'm. I'm not as good as he is, and I can give myself 10, right? Right? So I give myself 10. I see the point. Right? It said it. It said it. That's what it said. It said it. The Bible said it. You got five minutes. Right? So I give myself 10. So I tell people, I tell everybody, at least give yourself 10%. At least pay yourself 10%. Before you pay anybody, before you pay your light bill, your water bill, your cell phone bill, before you pay anything, pay yourself. Before you pay anything, is that scary? Yes. Might your lights get turned off? Huh? Uh, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> but you gotta start somewhere. And I tell everybody, and I don't just tell people that I lived it, I did it, right? But in doing that, I learned some real cool tricks and some real cool tips. And so here's tip number one, here's trick number one. Shim, Shim gives me 20 bucks, right? I say, Shim, let me hold 20 bucks till Friday. Shim gives me 20 bucks till Friday. Shim calls me on Friday. I ignore Shim's call. Shim emails me on Saturday. 
I don't respond. Shem shows up at my office on Tuesday and I say, tell him I am not here. Shem is now pissed. Right? Shem owes me $20. Shem, bro, listen, when I came to you for 20 bucks, I was hurt. Like, I wouldn't even came to you if I, if I had it, bro. Dude, I wanted to take your call because I wanted you to know I'm doing everything I can to get your money. I don't have 20 bucks on me right now, but I got five, and I want you to meet me. I'm, I'm gonna come to you. Where are you at right now? I'm gonna come bring you this five, because I want you to know getting you this 20 bucks is important to me. I just can't do it right now. I go to Shem, I give Shem the five dollars. Are you mad at me? I'm not mad. You're not mad. You're not happy. You're not happy with me. Yeah, I didn't ask him if he was happy with me. Did I ask him if he was happy with me? No. I asked him if he was mad at me. Right? He's not mad at me. He's not. He and he and he may not give me another twenty. But on Saturday, I'm calling Shem back. Hey Shem, I told you I was working on that. I got ten more. On Tuesday, I called Shem back. Dude, thank you so much for being patient with me, man. I got that extra five. And you know what? Dude, I had a really good weekend. Here's another two bucks. Okay. That's the car. <laughs> right? Now Shem, right. Now not only is he not mad, he's happy. And, and I've kept our relationship intact. Right? So me choosing myself when it comes to creditors and all this kind of stuff, Communicate. That's that's that was the whole point of that. Yeah. Communicate, because unpopular, un, contrary to popular belief, the people making the decisions on the other side of whoever you <coughs> owe are people. Right. It's not machines. If you pick up the phone and call Greenville Water or whoever, say I know I owe y'all and I want to pay y'all, but I don't have it. Here's something for that. They're not going to cut your water off. Right? Now, am I saying being reckless and negligent and don't ever pay any of your bills? No. When it's in your power to pay somebody, you pay them. All I'm advocating for is one of those somebodies you need to be advocating and fighting hard to pay every month, every week, every two weeks when you get paid, need to be you. I need to go out of my way, work just as hard, bust my butt just as much to pay myself as I do to pay anybody else. When you pay yourself, where does that money go? That's a great question. When you pay yourself, the money goes, in, and this is just my hierarchy. I think it makes sense, but you might not like it, but I'll throw it out there to you. The first thing is it goes into that emergency fund we were talking about earlier. Yep. Goes into that emergency fund. Uh, preferably just uh, at least $1,000 just sitting in your savings account, your regular old savings account that you got access to at any time. That's the first thing. Then, once I got that $1,000, when I pay myself, it goes into that surplus fund we talked about earlier. Like for me, it was six months of income. For you, it might be three months of income, it might be six months of income. Whatever that number is, you commit to it, and you go for it. So all of that, that extra 10% a month goes there. Once you, if you do decide to do six months, once you get three months of income in a traditional savings account or an online savings account, I suggest shifting some of that money into like a brokerage account, like actually mutual funds, stocks, something like that. So you got money that's actually keeping up with inflation and outpacing, like just, just you, your dollar's gonna be worth a dollar, it's gonna be worth a dollar, all right? 
You want to outpace inflation. You want to be earning some money on your money, like we talked about up here. You want your money earning money. All right? Once we get to that six-month point, once you get to that six-month point, then, and only then, in my opinion, then we start planning, and those dollars start going towards retirement planning. Those dollars start going towards other things. And really, really quick, this will be the last thing I say. My time will be gone. Candace brought this up earlier. Um, this quadrant here. All right, so so you got self-employed. I mean, you got employed, self-employed, business, and investor. Most of us in this room have been or are employed or self-employed, right? These are the only four ways in all the world that you can actually make money. Everything we do falls into one of these four categories. Okay? And there's nothing wrong with being on this side. But I want you guys to leverage your time and your money to move to this side as well, where we got businesses and investments. So, Candace mentioned the business. So, employee is just you're trading time for money, right? Self employed, you're still trading time for money. It's just. You get to decide when you want to take the time to go out and get the money. All right? But self-employed, you just own a job. The business, you're leveraging systems and people to make money. All right? On the business side, you're leveraging systems and people to make money. And on the investing side, your money makes money. All right? So, when we're talking about this thing, so once we get to that point to where we got the six months set up, then we want to start working towards retirement. And for you, that might be investing in a business and just investing your money in a place where your money can be making money for you. All right, this might, and then the beauty, the beauty of this thing is when we're able to transition, you might keep these things going. So you might want to, you might love your company. You want to work for your company. One of my best friends works for the FDIC and loves the FDIC. The FDIC pays her a six-figure income, right? So she loves the FDIC, doesn't ever see herself going anywhere else. But she's investing her money in the market, and she's created a system in business that allows her to make more money. The fun part is so funny. She's speaking at, um, she's speaking at the same event in Atlanta with me, and... She's like, the best feeling in the world is taking money I make in my business to invest. And I was like, Toy, tell me more about that. She was just like, I was at FDIC, and they just moved her from Richmond to um, Atlanta. So that's how I started coming up the sofa, up near, near y'all way, in the sofa. So they just moved her from, from Richmond to Atlanta. She's like, I was at the FDIC. It was like this whole once upon a time. Yeah. And I was at the FDIC, and I was working, and they sent me to Raleigh, and I was doing all these workshops, and I was doing all this stuff, and I was doing these trainings and doing these audits. And while I was in Raleigh, my business manager called and was like, we just closed a deal, and they want you to come speak at some conference in Miami or something like that, and they're paying her like $15,000 to go and speak in Miami. <laughs> <laughs> like, and she was like, and she asked me, like, what do you want to do with the money? And I was just like, 
you know, we've really been trying to save and get do some real estate stuff. She's like, we've really been trying to save and do some real estate. And I was just like, just put all of it into the real estate fund. Because she's putting money, she's investing money into her little real estate fund so she can go out and either partner or buy her first investment property. And I and it was so like, I was like, ooh, my business just did all of that while I was at work. Was like, mm-hmm. That's right. right. That's 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 what we eventually want to be. So we, we that will be the order that I would do. Thousand, three months, six months, and then actually start being aggressive towards retirement planning, utilizing investments and businesses. And this can be done the other way. You might start putting money away on the investment side to grow and work towards retirement and be able to leverage it at some point to build a business, to build a system or to buy a system and then go back into it. I have one of my um, guys that was in my wedding, one of my groomsmen in my wedding, my buddy Paul from college. He did the opposite. He invested money until he got enough to buy a franchise. He bought a Subway was the first one he bought. Now he owns a couple of Subways and Wingstops in LA. And now he's taking the money that he's making from his franchising and investing. But he used the investment money to buy his first franchise. And now the money from his franchises is funding his retirement. Right? So we just got to start. The whole key to all that is start. And I'll say this, and Candice, you can come on up. Um, The last thing I'll say is in order for us to really maximize all of this, I think Selah was asking earlier, like, dude, like, what do we just do? Like, how do we actually go out and make more money? Something that can be even more valuable than us going out and making more money is us taking time out to establish and protect our credit worthiness. Right? Because if I'm credit worthy, all these dreams and visions that I have, I can leverage somebody else's money to pay for that stuff. If I'm credit worthy. Right? So then I can walk into Bank of America or whoever, I can walk into whoever's bank and say, I got this vision that I want you to help me bring to life. And they're like, oh, okay, we're gonna pull your credit. And I'm not like my palms don't get sweaty and I don't get that little kind of itch in my back that can't get scratched. And I'm like, cool. Like, that's But um, so when you do that, you can actually leverage somebody else's money, then I can say, hey, Candace, I can go to the bank of Candace and say, hey, I need XYZ. And Candace's like, oh, you look good on paper. Cool. We'll give you the money to do XYZ. Fair enough? Just a reminder, Invest Like an Artist does not give investment, finance, tax, or legal advice. This is the beginning, not the end, of your own due diligence. To read the full disclaimer, visit our website at investlikeanartist.com. This episode was recorded in Greenville, South Carolina. Invest Like an Artist is supported by The Watering Hole Poetry at twhpoetry.org and is produced by Carl Antonowicz of cantocomics.com. Our theme music was written by Douglas Powell, a.k.a. Roscoe Burnham's at roscoeb.webs.com and produced by Kyle Epps at 
blcgld.com. For more information and for a helpful discussion of finances for artists, please follow us on Instagram and Facebook and visit us at investlikeanartist.com.